Do you wish that all things wealth and finance were much easier to understand and not presented by a bunch of beige cardigan-wearing geeks? Welcome to the Clever Investor Podcast, where we're dishing up the easiest-to-understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks, so your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. Hosted by the brilliant Owen Taylor, a multiple award-winning expert with a glorious knack for explaining the complex world of wealth in the simplest of ways. Hello, Clever Investors, and welcome back to another show. We have a very special guest in the studio today. It's uh, Dr. Tony Nguyen, um, who is an absolutely fantastic mortgage broker. I've known him for many, many years. He's very passionate about what he does, which is a term that's often banded around quite loosely, but this guy really is. He's got an amazing social media presence, so I'll put links to that. And what's this doctor thing at the beginning? Uh, yes, Owen, so thanks for having me here, and uh, hello, listeners. Um, the doctor thing came from um, my PhD, I graduated with a PhD in medical sciences uh, back in 2013. So in the past, I used to be a HIV and hepatitis researcher. And so how does that then link into helping people with their finances? Long story short, I went into medical sciences with this uh, this this idea of wanting to help the community. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how, so I figured, all right, you know, let's do science because I was – more inclined to biology back in high school. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I started my PhD, I knew that I didn't want to do research, hey. So, but I had this uh, pride in myself where I felt like I started something, I wanted to complete it. But as soon as I finished my PhD, uh, I knew I needed to do something else because uh, research wasn't really for me or I wasn't for research. I suppose the ironic thing about that is you had to put a lot of research in to actually get the PhD. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. You, you know how to not just study, but you know how to then go and source and analyse things. I'm actually very grateful for my PhD. Um, a lot of people used to say, oh, that's a waste of time. You spent 10 years in science and then, you know, you uh, fobbed it off and now you're in finance. Um, but the reality is, I think the reason why I love mortgage broking now is it, it's to do with the original purpose of why I did my PhD and became a scientist. Uh, I had this, you know, fantasy of wanting to win Nobel prizes and discover something amazing, right, and help, you know, the world. But now I've gone into a sector where I can help, you know, individual families one at a time, and that's just as rewarding, if not more rewarding, to be honest, because that that feeling is tangible, you know, that you did something for the client that benefited them. So we got to talking the other day about the fundamentals that we all learn about when we start into the finance world. And it's <laughs> yeah. the three C's of finance. Uh, yeah. So the three C's of lending is not a concept I came up with. It's actually, you know, um, gospel in the industry. Um, when, when a lender looks at you for approval, they look at these three components, not in isolation, but together. Okay. So the first C is capacity, then it's collateral, and there's character. When we lodge a deal as an application to the bank, we make sure that we have the information there to satisfy those three criteria. Would you lodge a deal if it was missing any of those three? No, no. Okay. It has to all work in tandem. So, for example, one common scenario or question that I'll get is, hey, Tony, I've got a million dollars savings. You reckon I can borrow another million bucks uh, to buy a $2 million home? 
I go, okay, yeah, well, so what do you do for work? And they said, oh, nothing. I don't have a job, but I could service the debt. Okay, okay, how? And they go, oh, I've got cash coming here or whatever. And I said, look, if you don't have uh, any legible income that, you know, that will satisfy the lender, it doesn't matter whether you have a million dollars deposit or not. Um, they won't lend it to you, okay? Mm. And conversely, someone might be on a good income, but if they don't have any uh, savings to contribute to a new purchase, then again, the lender won't lend to you. If your client comes in and they're, they're missing any one of those fundamental three Cs, you're not just going to go and lodge it to the, to the lender. No. So that's what we call a preliminary assessment. So when a new client or an existing client comes back, we go through the same procedure. Okay. What does your character look like, by the way, which is um, determined by your credit score. So we'll do free credit checks for you just to see, um, you know, what your credit score looks like or what your character looks like. And before going, character refers to, you know, if I'm going to lend you a million bucks, I need to know that I can trust you to pay me back. Okay. So when we look at someone's credit score, we're looking at, you know, uh, how many loans have they applied in the past? Uh, whatever loans that they do have, are they paying it on time? And, it, and whether there's any history of misdemeanors such as defaults or, you know, bankruptcies or, or anything like that. But presumably if your credit score is relatively good, assess your income and your, your, your ability to service a new debt. And then we'll look at, you know, what's the collateral piece, how much savings do you have or how much equity do you have in your property? If you've been doing the rounds straight to the banks and just sort of throwing your applications in to see if it would stick, that's actually going to bring down your, your character. Yeah, look, it won't positively impact your character. Uh, it's not the end of the world if you lodge, you know, one or two mortgage applications because the type of credit application actually is important too. So, for example, um, it's not unusual for someone to maybe lodge a, a loan with a bank for a mortgage with one or two banks. Personally, I wouldn't do it. And, and sometimes when people do that, it's probably because they're looking for a better offer, you know, so, that, so that's kind of acceptable. The danger is when there's a history of um, credit applications for credit cards or personal loans, particularly personal loans under the value of two or $3,000, mm. because that kind of indicates that, you know, if you, if you need funding of that amount, you're, you're probably cash strapped. I had a bit of a show about this a while ago, but what about these payday loans? How are they? Yeah, so that's exactly what I'm referring to. Um, payday loans where you go to uh, lenders that will lend you two or three grand, that's that's not really good. You know, that, if that comes up on your credit score, then that's a red flag for me. It's not a uh, dead end, but it does warrant more questions and a deeper conversation. Part of what you're doing before you're putting it together to the lender is you're you're vetting this out. Absolutely. And you're then going to decide um, and tell tell the client as well whether you think it's a good time to put the application in now or later. Yeah, or it dictates which lender we're going to go to. Yep. Yeah, so multiple lenders on each mortgage broker's um, panel and our job is to find that right lender that's suitable for you. Yeah. 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 Um, it's the, uh, if somebody has had some of these um, sort of payday loans um, and they've had a, a few of them, which is often the case, people get into a little bit of a rut with this. Uh, you, you said before that it's not the end of the world. No, it's not. Because when I say the three C's are lending, we're not looking at them at, in isolation. You know, we're, we're looking at it together. 
So if we can put together a strong application, have mitigants to counter the reasons why there's so many payday loans. And you've got to remember, a lot of people have credit cards and they use it, but they use it pretty smart. It's not unusual for someone to use a credit card to collect points. And then at the end of the month, they just uh, wipe off their balance. Having a lot of debt is not bad per se. It just depends on what the overall picture looks like. And that's what our job is to to determine that overall picture and uh, the suitability to send a loan application. When you're putting the application to the to the chosen lender, you are then telling them the the story behind all of these statements and all of these, these reasons why. Correct. Okay? So we, we have a real life example, a recent one. Okay, we have a gentleman who's in IT, earns good income, very good coin, passes the capacity test. Uh, we're doing a refinance, cash out, so he can buy another investment. So he has that equity slash collateral there, but the major lenders knocked him back based on his credit score. And when we did a bit of digging, it turns out that mate, four or five years ago, he had a, a, a series of credit card applications which didn't look favorably to that major bank. Right. So we've, took, we've taken the deal to another lender, right? They look at the strength of the application in, uh, in itself and, and they approved it. I had a client many years ago who was a, <laughs> she was a night shift nurse. She had 60 inquiries, Oof. actually never gone ahead with any of the finance with any of them. Okay. So I just had to print it out and just went through and just went, you know, did not proceed, did not proceed. A little bit of a story against each one. And she she was, she got good capacity, she got good character and all of that. She just didn't know yeah. what she was actually, you know, doing and how it was affecting her credit yeah. file. See, a lot of people... Um a lot of these websites for banks with credit card applications or personal loans, they always have this link that says, you know, apply here or see what your borrowing capacity is. And what many people don't know is when they put the information there, there's a soft credit check happening in the background and it registers as a uh, as an inquiry. So the T's and C's are so small that you don't know about it. So someone like your past client wouldn't have known that, you know, it would have affected her credit score as such. Let's talk about the other C then, capacity. Tell me about that. Okay, capacity is relatively straightforward and it's probably what everyone wants to know. How much can I borrow, Tony? Well, the short answer to that is um, your borrowing capacity is determined by how much income you're bringing in, whether that be your wages, your business or your rental properties, minus your living expenses plus any other debts. So generally speaking, the bigger that gap, the bigger the borrowing capacity. And everybody should just go online to those bank calculators and just work out their capacity then, yeah? <laughs> Look, they can go on there. <laughs> if they have an itch to scratch, then by all means do it, yes. Just um, refrain from uh, answering the, 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 the Autobot uh, text <laughs> message because uh, you might get roped in into a call that you might not want to answer, you know? Um, Look, those online calculators are, are a good guide, but here's the thing. Each lender that we have on our panel, they calculate borrowing capacity in different ways. Mm. So that's why you can often get a different from result from one bank to another. It's never too early to actually start that conversation no. because there could be there could be an opportunity, your neighbours trying to sell that, that place, which is probably worth about $4.5 million now. So you, <laughs> you missed out on that place. Yeah, time. I'm crying. But, yeah. <laughs> Here's one thing I learned about research back in the scientific days is that um, research never ends. Once you look up something 
you, you'll come across a concept you might not know, then you have to look into that even more. And then you keep going so far deep in that you forget the purpose of why you started this research. And what many people find it difficult to comprehend is, okay, now what does it really mean for me? So that's why I feel, you know, like you said, call some, call your broker. Private broker is the best person to call because a bank might give you a different result right? Um, a broker would be able to canvas all the different lenders out there and give you uh, a range of borrowing capacities. So which lender you will go to will depends on what the actual um, overall goal is. So for example, when we talk about the three C's of lending, you might have a co- borrowing capacity of a million dollars, right? But if you only got a deposit of 50K, your, your purchase price yeah. is not going to be a million dollars. It's going to be a lot lower than that. My clients, they might have a borrowing capacity a lot higher than, than what the loan application is for. And that's because it's tied in with the deposit piece and the other pieces as well. Yeah. And then sometimes it's ran the other way. Yes. You've got a big deposit. And like I've got a friend of mine that owns, a, you know, probably a $1.8 million property in the you know, inner west of Sydney, but her income for the last couple of years has been left in $50,000. So yeah. she's frustrated because she's got lots of, you know, lots of equity, yeah. but she hasn't got the capacity. Yeah. And that's exactly right. So she has a bucket of equity, right? But because her income's a little bit light, her borrowing capacity is going to be light. So her expectations has to be managed accordingly. So as I said before, borrowing capacity is a function of income minus expenses and debts, right? A lot of people think, oh, Tony, I earn 200 grand a year, all right? How come my borrowing capacity is, is low? The reason is, is it's what your spending habits look like. If you're earning 10 grand net a month, but you're spending nine grand, right? Then the, the bank's not gonna look favorably upon you because they feel that your standard of living is a bit too high and therefore your ability to service a debt is uh, reduced. You can go back to the lender and argue, I'm only spending lavishly only because I don't have a commitment at the moment. I'll cut back on expenses when that happens. Well, if that's the case, our job is then to find the right lender that would accept a, a reasonable explanation like that. They probably can't be as picky then with what the pricing is going to be because the risk is higher. So the uh, any lender is going to price it, price that risk higher for them. So they, yeah. Look, what what we do is we have a further discussion, right? We 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 make sure that the, the number one rule of lending before three C's of lending is that you know is the loan unsuitable to the client. Let's rephrase. We got to make sure that the loan is not unsuitable to the client. So we don't want to put a client in a position where they may experience financial hardship. Right? Yep. So you don't want to uh, get a loan for a guy who, who has a family, he has, you know, minimum expenses to recover. And then you detect that if he took a loan, he will struggle, right? He or she will struggle. So that's one thing we make sure we don't do, right? Uh, that's a law as well. But, you know, it doesn't matter what the government says. You know, I have my own moral code. I don't want to see people like struggling and being put into positions where, you know, they're not going to be better off, right? Um, but in a scenario where, yeah, if their paperwork doesn't suit a particular cri- uh, a banking criteria, then uh, we'll look for other options who may not look at those uh, paperwork. Right. So tell me about the last C then, collateral. 
Yes. Okay. So when we borrow uh, money to buy property or refinance property, generally it's significant, right? If the median house price in Sydney is what, 1.3 now these days? Uh, we're getting closer to 1.4. Yeah. Okay. All right. So 1.4. So an 80% uh, loan value of 1.4 works out to be just, over, just under 1.2. So that's a lot of money. The bank has to question whether you they can trust you to pay that money back. Mm-hmm. So first they tick off the character piece. All right. You know, he's got a good credit score. He pays his debts on time. Cool. Then they look at the capacity. Okay, he earns a reasonable amount of income. You know, he he spends at a comfortable level. I think we can. He, I think he shows capacity to pay. Then the third part is is then yeah. What if for some reason you might have lost your job or you couldn't work anymore and now you don't have a capacity to pay? Then the bank wants to get their money back somehow, right? So in mortgage lending, we use what is called securities and the securities are the actual property. So the bank will have to go out and value the property and make sure it's worth what you claim it's worth, right? And then they'll lend you a certain percentage against that value of the property. So that's what we call the collateral piece. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so the, I mean, it's it's a whole episode all on its own on just bank valuations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I used to have a small part in my office out the back where I'd go and bang my head against the wall. Yeah, uh, yeah. To do with bank valuations. So um, we're, we're not going to dive into that now. When we have the conversation with clients about bank valuations, we have to set the expectations. Generally, when it's a purchase, right? So someone has bought a new property and now we're trying to get a loan for that. More often than not, the valuers will always come back at the contract or sale price, never more, and maybe sometimes lower. So sometimes clients will always say, oh, I bought that house for 1.065. I'm so surprised that the valuation came back at exactly at 1.065. Well, the reason is, is because that's what the market has said it's worth, which is you, the buyer, mm. right? So it's never any more than that. There can be instances where someone might have overpaid according to the valuer, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in those instances, yeah, we have to uh, work out how to mitigate that that issue. So more often than not, um, you know, in a, in a purchase uh, transaction, the valuation comes back at the contract of sale. Right. It's different when it comes to refinances. Right. So refinances when you're changing existing lenders. Yep. Right. For an already owned property. Now, a lot of people think that, yeah, the property is always worth more than what the values uh, always value it at. And that's where we really have to give them that expectation. Yeah. 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 We ask the question, okay, you know, Owen, what do you think your property's worth? Okay, I'm going to note this down. And when we order the valuation, I'll put that figure down. But please understand the valuer has his uh, general way of valuing things. It may come in at the same value you have and it might come lower or it might be even higher. Thank you, Tony, for coming in. You're, um, you've got a world of wisdom there. It's always great hearing you, you talk. And, and as I said at the beginning, the, the, the passion and the way that you just want to do things properly for your, your clients, um, it's no wonder you've got such a great little following of people there. So we'll get you in again sometime. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd love to be back, yeah. Um, thank you ever so much for coming in. I'm going to put your details in our socials here so if anybody wants to get in contact, 
contact with you um, just in case their neighbour offers them their property <laughs> and they're not ready. Thanks again, mate, for coming in and we'll see you again on the Clever Investor podcast. Wonderful. Thank you, Owen. You have been listening to the Clever Investor podcast, proudly sponsored this week by Blue Wealth Property. Are you ready to start a new investment journey? Get in touch with the industry leaders. Blue Wealth Property. Blue Wealth have a proven track record in using research to identify growth markets. And Blue Wealth have supported thousands of Australians to buy the right property in the right market at the right time. Go to bluewealth.com.au.